ready to do this? Yeah, let's do this. All right, here we go. Another episode, Grab My Gears. Brian Singh, also known as Coach B in the uh, volleyball realm. Uh, also, we're related, so that, that also helps too. But, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what's up? How how you doing, bro? You good? Good, man. How are you? Thanks for having me on. This is great. I'm, I'm, I'm good. And I mean, first thing I want to, I haven't talked to you in a while, so congratulations on the little man. Oh, thanks, man. We were just talking about it before we started, but yeah, just just wait. He's eleven months. Wait, two years old. Oh man, it's a nightmare. I uh, yeah, I'm yeah. I, I get it. <laughs> we'll, we'll see when that time comes. I don't know. We'll figure it out as we go. Yeah, my my guy is. <clears throat> he's just like uh, I was telling guys at the gym this today. They're like because they haven't seen him in a while, and they're like, "How's he doing?" I'm like, "Oh well, yesterday he went in the fridge, pulled the milk out." Dropped it on the floor, and then he got his hands and knees and started licking it off the floor. Oh, <laughs> nice. <laughs> uh, just wait. Boys are another animal. Yeah, that's that's what I've heard. And he's true. Yeah, he's fearless. He's just I, I, he's going to kill himself every day. It's crazy. Yeah, he's just jumping off shit, right? Yeah, exactly. It, yeah, same with my little guy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so how was it having a pandemic baby? Oh, yeah. I guess technically he is a pandemic baby. That's right. Yeah. I mean, it was... It was kind of till the, towards the end of serious, I mean, I mean, define serious lockdown, but it was like to the end of it where it, it wasn't as bad as I guess before when, when the, the when pandemic first hit yeah. and there was no policies, we didn't know anything about it. And and now I think with that, our, um, Michelle is my wife's uh, doctor also delivered the baby. So that kind of helped too. Uh, but it was different. It was weird. Yeah. There's so many rules. Like once you left, once you got in the hospital, you couldn't leave. Yeah, and uh, and then just like I can't remember, but there's so much other rules. Like I had to, I had to ask permission all the time. Like, am I allowed to do this? Yeah, and they're like, is, yes or is, no, which is ridiculous. Because like, yeah, it's crazy. It makes no sense. But it's I mean, like, it's like, I mean, yeah, it is what it is. But like, we were lucky where Benson was born December right before this started. Oh, okay. So we didn't have to deal with any of that shit. Yeah, through the like, because I was hearing some horror stories from people who did have babies during the pandemic. Yeah, I heard horror stories too, which is I was freaking out. Like I wasn't like some of them, I wasn't be allowed to be in there, and then yeah, that's what I was this and too. that, like just un, like unnecessary stuff. Yeah, but yeah, and, and yeah, but I mean, at least everything worked out. But uh, anyway, for those who don't know, Brian is a master volleyball coach, uh, one of the best in Canada, right? And head coach Thanks. of the volleyball state, <laughs> and uh, runs some amazing online programs as well. Um, now, the first thing I wanted to talk to you about is, you know, why volleyball? Because growing up, it was, you were serious about basketball. And, and then I, don't, I wouldn't say it was a shift, but your passion automatically kind of just gravitated towards volleyball. And then you pretty much dived straight in, went all into, you know, coaching and, yeah. and with the athletes. Uh, what, what led to that? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Uh, I was a I was a basketball player coming up, but then I mean, we went to West Hill, and I was it, the competition at, at our time. I mean, they were all national level players. Yeah. So I not that I fell out of love with it. I, I knew that competitively, I I, I wasn't going to go far in the sport. I'm a five seven and a half skinny brown kid. It was really tough to yeah. see myself going far in the sport. So, I, but I still enjoyed playing it. And at the time, my brother was playing on the volleyball team, and he wanted to try it for a club team because that was like the nature of the game at that time. I was like, I want to play club. Like, okay, cool. Let's, let's go find a, cl a club team. So looked at the Scarborough Titans. That was a local club team. We went in and uh, he, he made the team and I was like, Oh, this is, this, this sport seems kind of easy to coach. Like I could probably help out. Yeah. So I started helping out the L at the elementary school and I was like, Oh, this is, you know, this isn't bad. And I just started learning and learning and learning. And I, I realized that, well, this, this, this is, this thing's pretty cool. Like there's a lot to, to learn about this sport. Yeah. And then, I, I became kind of like kind of like basketball. Like when you really love something, you become obsessed with it. So then I wanted to really learn everything there is to know about it because I'm a competitor. So yeah. when I step on the floor, I want to make sure nobody beats me. Well, you're and, an you're an addict. You're an addict to learning, right? It's the same same thing as me. It's like I've like growing up when I got involved in martial arts, everyone would be like, "You're addicted." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm fucking addicted. It's it, it's addicting." <laughs> right? Yeah, that's right. And, and you get, and you get, you just want to, and you want to win, right? Especially yeah. competing against somebody else. Like you don't want to, and you don't, you don't want to lose. So, you know, I started learning and learning and learning. I went, and I went from elementary school to, to coaching high school, my, my former high school. I started coaching there. And then I got the opportunity to coach club. 
And then from there, again, keep, keep learning, keep learning, keep learning. And then uh, I ended up training some national level players, which was kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, I got a little bit on the national stage in terms of people who knew who I was. Yeah. And then the college job uh, opened up and I actually didn't apply for the college job because I thought I was underqualified. And at the time, I, I think I probably was. Yeah. But I guess they didn't find the right fit. And then it seems like uh, one of the players that played on the team was coached by me and he put my name in the in the conversation. And so the AD reached out to me and said, would you be interested in applying? And I told the AD, I'm like, Yo, I don't think I'm, a, I'm qualified for this job. He's like, just apply anyways. Yeah. I applied. I had an hour long interview. I had to do this crazy presentation on how you know I would run the program. And then I got a call the next day saying I got the job. So that's nice. my story. Nice. And that and that's normally how it kind of goes. Uh, <clears throat> where some of the best coaches don't necessarily seek that level of um, uh, of coaching, because like uh, I I know a lot of guys uh, in in my sport, for example. But like even a guy who played football with Shea Pierre, he was an elite level strength and conditioning coach and he took the job with the Argonauts, but it wasn't really like what he wanted to do. Right. But he was, he was ready for it, but they, they kind of reached out to him. It wasn't like where he was seeking it out. Right. So sometimes, right. sometimes that really happens and, and it's a blessing because it takes people like you where you weren't even really thinking about it. Right. And then I, I probably still wouldn't be thinking about it to be yeah. honest. And then elevate, but that, that elevated your game and elevated your, your coaching game and all of that. Right. But um, what is it about, volleyball the sport itself the the essence of oh yeah that, that yeah good question you to earth. yeah like you think about basketball you know when somebody dunks a ball that's like the pinnacle of the game so that's the big show stop moment i mean later in the years it's transitioned to three-point shot but you know yeah, dunking yeah. still has that really cool appeal well in volleyball when someone attacks the ball like spiking as it's known that's kind of the same effect it, it is it is a great feeling and it's mad cool when you see someone get up super high like, ba like basketball players are athletic. Volleyball players have one of the highest verticals out of all the sports. Yeah. And they're jumping super high and they're, they're, they're killing this ball. And you see the level of athleticism and how like the intricacies of the game. And I was like, yo, that, that's something I can see myself getting behind. Yeah. And I, I, I love that aspect of it. And then, you know, my brother coming up too helps. Yeah. Strategically, how is it different from basketball? Like in terms of, uh, you know, basketball's play calling and I'm, <clears throat> uh, volleyball has play calling too, but how strategically is it the same or different? I, I think basketball is a little bit more strategic because basketball, you have the element of like, there's a lot more physicality. You know, you have five on five full court uh, and there's so much things involved in basketball yeah. that is like, I think strategically there's a lot more you can do with five on five on the floor where everyone is potentially involved in a particular play. Yeah. But what one big thing that's different about basketball and volleyball in basketball, someone can take over a game. Like, so you can give the ball to somebody and they can go to work Yeah. in volleyball. That is not the case because three people need have to, to touch the ball, have yeah. to touch the ball. Yeah. I mean, if one person touches the ball only that ball is going to go back over and it's an easy ball for the other team. Yeah. You need to get that ball to a center who can deliver a, a good offense yeah. and then be able to put the ball in a good position to score. So, it, it is such a team. It, it's, it's a little bit more of a team sport than basketball in that regard. Yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, I love both. I still play basketball. You know, I, I, it's, it's just, no, it's in the blood. It's in the blood. Yeah. <laughs> but like um, for the, when you're talking about uh, strategically moving the ball around the court, right. Cause I, for, I would consider myself like if I'm ranking myself, I'm a white belt in volleyball. I used to play a lot in elementary school, but when you're moving that ball around the, uh, around that, so the first the first touch of that ball is it more strategically to get it to the area of the court you want the attack to happen from no the first contact is you want to get it to the center okay you want to get it to your quarterback and the quarterback has the ability to deliver the ball to a great location every single time to set your team up to score yeah and, and in volleyball you have four hitters so depending on what hitter depending on what route they're running and this is where it gets tactical the yeah. different routes hitters can run the different type of speed of the ball that's going to be delivered to the attackers and then the type of shots the attackers make that's where tactical comes in yeah and do you guys pick on certain players like when you know you're facing a team and you know okay this person's weak they can't dig that ball out you know? oh absolutely yeah when we do when we have our scouting report and we do our, our our film and stuff like that like match preparation they have a scouting report prior to the games and they know exactly who the weaker passers are 
uh, who, like, you know, if you serve to them, they're not going to get the ball to where they want it to go. Yeah. We know who the weaker blockers are. We know who we want the ball to stay away from. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, all that comes into the scouting report. Now, is it generally the tallest guy you want to keep it away from? No, not necessarily. Like yeah. at our at, see, at our level, I mean, all, all the guys are across like six four to seven. You know, yeah, six four to six nine. It, it's not the taller guy. It's who can convert. The guy yeah. that's converting the most on the other side, like who's attacking the ball, the highest clip, highest hitting percentage. Those are the guys you want to keep the ball away from. Yeah, and do, is it is it in physically intimidating when you get like if say you have? I mean, I know all of them are tall. Like you're talking about a six foot average six yeah. two average do you so do you notice some of your players still getting intimidated by just size and height absolutely um, yeah yeah we got we lost in the in a in a quarterfinal match this year to the the number one team in canada and they were huge yeah. it, it was the first time our guys played against a team that big and not that i actually they'll argue they weren't intimidated but they definitely were, were yeah, even start. even if their skill level was higher like it, there's that it's that space jam effect you know what i mean where you, you yeah. just you see a you're like oh fucking the monsters oh shit yeah and, exactly. <laughs> and it just for even if it's for a second it takes you off your game Cause, i mean that happens in fighting too like sometimes i'll sit a stare across from the guy i'm like oh shit even if he's like a thickly muscled dude like damn it what am i right. about to and then just i mean it it, it it does have an effect but like for each sport is a bit different but you know volleyball uh now what is it like for the speed of the game as you go through the ranks like from high school to rep to the collegiate level to right. olympic level how like you know like when you talk about you know nfl nfl football from high school to the pros or from college to the pros it's not necessarily about who's stronger who gets stronger or fitter in that time it's about speed the speed of the game is different what do you notice from the level that you're coaching at the collegiate now to the Olympic level in terms of speed, how, how different is the speed of the game for it? Well, you hit it on the money. The, the, the speed is a lot faster. Like the tempo of the ball, when it comes out of the setter's hands is yeah. super fast. Uh, the, the biggest thing with, uh, with pro ball and, and collegiate level is physic physicality is a factor. Like guys yeah. are bigger. Um, guys are stronger so they can serve at higher speeds. Yeah. Um, if, if a guy is serving at 120 kilometers an hour versus our, at the collegiate level where you get like the nineties, yeah, that's a big difference. Um, versus, you know, if also the, the physicality of, of the game is significantly higher at, at the pro level, Probably. meaning when the ball is put out, put along the net, you know, they can utilize the block to their advantage. They can go, they can go harder. They can hit harder. Yeah. You know, if you if you're digging a ball that's coming at you a lot slower, it's much easier to dig versus the ball that's coming at you a lot faster. Yeah. So yeah. I'd say that's that's the big thing. The speed and physicality at the next level is is tough. Do you find a lot of collegiate athletes struggle with that transition if they want to make that jump? Yeah, absolutely. Because technically, like, I mean, they know how to serve. They know how to pass. The problem yeah. is you've been passing against a ball that's in the 80s. Now you're passing against a ball that's in the hundreds. It's a, di it's a different game. So for for. For that, for this sport in particular, what does the athlete need to do? Like, say, once they graduate and they're deciding, okay, I want to pursue this professionally, but they're a bit slow, right? Which most there's only I'd say there's only a handful that come out of collegiate sports that are ready for pro sports. Even mm -hmm. if the skill wise is there, they're just physically not ready. What what can a an athlete do coming out of collegiate volleyball to put themselves in that pro slash Olympic level? physicality that you're talking about. well the one thing is it, you can't teach size so yeah. you're at a, if you're if you're at an under six you're at a disadvantage right off the back it's gonna yeah. be very very hard the genetics right yeah, yeah so even even six two six three like it's tough you could do it but it's tough yeah so if you can't teach size the only other alternative is you got to do is you have to increase your vertical jump and you got to get more physical yeah. you have to be able to convert like you know if, if, I, if a setter sets you the ball and you can convert at a high clip, then you'll be of value. But if you yeah. cannot, if you can't put the when I say convert, I mean put the ball away. The ball you away. can't put the ball away, then you're of no use. Yeah. Uh, and the alternative is the libero position tends to not factor in height as much as other positions do because you're not playing on the net. Yeah. So at the libero position, where that's a defensive specialist, your job is to pass and play defense. Yeah. If you can do that at a high level, right. then yeah, you have a shot. Yeah, and. F physically like um 
you know, we, we're talking about athletes who are, you know, 6'4", six, 6'5", six, generating a lot of, ver like you said, vertical. Uh, and I know you have a, bi a big program to help athletes develop that. Uh, mm -hmm. Without giving away your secrets, how do you how does how do you first like take a, a high level collegiate athlete, high level rep athlete, and say they want to get? Well, what's one of the first you know two or three things you look at? Yep. to increase that vertical to put them in that Olympic slash pro level. Yeah, no, I know. I can tell you really simply. You know, when normally people that you if you've never been taught how to jump, you don't know how to jump efficiently. Oh, yeah, so you got to learn how to jump efficiently. So my vertical jump program can be composed of three phases. Phase one is technique. So yeah. teaching your body how to jump. How do you manipulate your speed? How do you manipulate your posture, your breathing? These yeah. are things that actually matter, have value. The second thing is uh, strength training. So we're not Olympic lifters. We don't, we don't, it's, it's, it's a different science with vertical jump trainers. Yeah. So how do you strength train for vertical jumping? So for example, when you're squatting, you're, you're loading in the hips. Yeah. That's where you're putting most of your, your emphasis on is, is, is hip mobility and, and, and driving through your hips. Um, and, and that's where you're going to see your gains. And then the third thing is tech is uh, plyometrics rather. Yeah. So plyometrics is vertical jump exercises. So what, how are you, you know, doing things like that? So real, a real quick breakdown is, you know, manipulating your speed. You got to make sure you're, you're, you're approaching every step's got to be fast. Your last two steps have to be your fastest. I'm sure you've heard that before. That's yeah. really interesting. It's really interesting to train athletes how to do that. Your posture, you don't want to be, you know, slouched. You want to be nice and tall. Yeah. You want your chest up. It's probably okay. why my, my ass can't jump anymore. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it's tough, man. Like, it's, well, it's one of those things. Jiu-jitsu ruined my posture. Like, oh, okay. For, yeah, wrestling, like, my wife was always like, stop punching. I'm like, nah, that's how I jiu-jitsu, man. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, there you go. Um, and then when it comes to, like, uh, just understanding – you know, like like the squat, for example, seeing athletes loading their hips and making sure they're driving through. And here, one interesting thing that's different about vertical jump training than any other Olympic type of lifting is, you know, with Olympic lifters or lifters in general, when you're at that, like, let's say you're benching and you're, you're at that like seventh, eighth rep and you're just like, push, 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 like, just get it off you. Yeah. Let's really, really try to push your body to another level that has never been before to, to grow. Yeah. Vertical jumping is different. We don't train that way. So we train our, our type two fast switch fibers, not our long switch fibers. So That's what that means is, ask, yeah, yeah it, it, right. So you, so you understand this is when you're, when you're hitting exhaustion, you need to stop because yeah. now you're entering the realm of training the wrong fibers. So with vertical jump training, sometimes I'll take an athlete in the gym for 10 minutes and I'll say, Hey, we're done. Your, 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 your muscle fibers haven't recovered yet. You're not ready to train yet. Yeah. Let's go back in recovery. And when we come back the next day, we'll, we'll see how it happens. And then, so I'm looking and, and anyone listening to this can, can attest or you can try to do this in your gym yeah look and see when are you when are you hitting that point of exhaustion that's yeah. your cue stop take a break try it again if you are continuing to hit that point of exhaustion where you're not being as explosive anymore then you've exhausted your type 2 fibers and you're done well that's congratulations yeah. you go home and recover and I, and I think that's a lost uh a lost art with weightlifting strength training and coaching in general because everyone's so upset like I mean, I'm going to use this as an example because I always use it as an example. Like, if you walk into any good life, you always see people doing fucking box jumps. It's just it's just something people do. They jump on a box, and the first thing that pisses me off, they jump off the box. I'm like, well, why the hell did you jump off the box? Right. So jumping off the box had nothing to do with anything. And what you end up – what I, like, people will get mad at me because I'll set up a box for them to jump, and then I'll set up a smaller box for them to step down. They're like, don't, don't you want me to jump down and jump? And I'm like, no. I'm like – First of all, the point is the jump, not the fall. That's right. a separate training method and how to, you know, take a, a landing properly. And secondly, every time you jump off of a box or, or you're practicing plyometrics and you make contact with the ground, you're compressing your spine and your knees. And over time, that's going to lead to less explosiveness and, and injury for that matter. Right? That's the first thing I always see when people are training like any explosive plyometric jumping. They're always up, down, uh, like, no, stop jumping down, step down, reset. It's the point of what you're trying to achieve is explosiveness and the highest you can jump, say, for example, vertical. You shouldn't be repetitively doing it over and over and over again. That's, yeah, just, wrong. that's just exercise, which is not wrong, but don't tell, like, if the goal and the, me the method of your sport, for example... If you're training um, an athlete for his uh, NFL combine, vertical jump is one of the testing measures that they do. Well, you're not going to be doing 
10 box jumps back to back to back to back. It has no bearing on the actual vertical at all. You know, yeah. you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and no. there's other, me- I forgot the method name, but it was one of the methods where they do one rep and then they one go rep max. Yeah. They just do one rep, no one explosive rep of whatever exercise it is yeah. at a heavy weight. And then they you go away, go do something else. And then you come back 10 minutes later and then do one rep again. And they found that that was very effective into, into, building that explosiveness now it might not apply to jump training specifically but yeah uh in terms of explosive training which is what uh volleyball athletes are yeah right? and one of the other things how important is cardiovascular fitness because like for, for the specific sport we're talking about you have you know six players it's six right yeah and mm-hmm. it's not like they're sprinting from side to side constantly so right. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel it's you know a certain level of cardiovascular does need to be there because the games can drag on. Like you can have, you know, forty fucking points scored in a game yeah. based on how long you know how tight the game is. But how important is it? Like, what kind of cardiovascular methods, techniques do you guys use to develop the athletes? Because I feel like steady state cardio, you know, probably is not ideal for that sport. You're right. Um, we, we don't, we don't spend too much time with it cause they get it during their training. Yeah. Like they get it during our like team drills and things like that. We don't have a specific, a specific time where we're like, all right, we're going to work on your cardiovascular system here yeah. because it's, it's quick burst. Yeah. It's all quick burst. A rally in the men's game is like a couple seconds. Like the longest, seconds. a long rally is like eight seconds. That's a yeah. long rally. So you're not, you're working on a quick explosiveness, but where, where it can get tiring is if you're running a lot, if you're blocking along the net, you're being explosive, you're coming down, ball comes over and now you got to go attack. They dig it. And you're, you're that, that, that little eight seconds spurt that that's tough, but yeah. that that's about it. So there's not, there's no long distance running or anything like that. However, you have to be lean and fit without a doubt. Yeah. And you, you'll get that with, you know, proper diet, strength training, things like that. So, so there's no specific, um, cardiovascular regimen for elite level volley players no not really besides like they, they have their lift yeah and besides their lift like that's pretty much it they'll get their cardiovascular stuff inside the gym with so, us so it's more in in game in kind of in practice cardiovascular yeah. than and uh do you do you find that what do you do with players that do wear out like that you do see fading in a game which where they shouldn't be fading like if they're out of shape, then that's yeah. a problem. And they'll have to go do something separately with our strength training coach. Then they'll have to like do sprints or whatever. They'll have to look at their diet. They got to get the weight down. Like we'll, we'll check in with them. And we've had situations where, you know, after a Christmas break or after off season, guys will come back in out of shape and you could, you could right off the back tell like, this is, this is not right. And then they'll have, they'll, they got to deal with that on their own. Because that's that's just not that's well, unacceptable to then us. They, then they will, they'll just get cut, right? So. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's not it's it's more of an expectation. Like in basketball, it's different. In basketball, you are running sprints because you have to have the ability to run up and down a floor for forty eight minutes potentially. Yeah. Um, so you need to you need to not not only be in shape, but you have to have that cardiovascular you know longevity to do that. Yeah. In volleyball, it, it's it's not as demanding as that. Now, do you find that? Um some of the players lose their explosiveness as the game wears on and how do you address that concern it you know what to an extent but it's not something where it's going to hurt us okay because, yeah it won't hurt because there's so much more involved than if you lose an inch on your jump that's not a game changer okay it's, so, it's not like cuz there's so much timing shot selection different things yeah. like that so it's not it's not really a factor in terms of that however if they're getting fatigued and they're pounding the ball out because they're getting gassed or, you know, they're making stupid decisions because they're fatigued. That's a whole other conversation. Yeah. And w- like, what do you do for an athlete like that? How do you approach, you know? Um, well, we either got to take them out of the game. I either got to call a timeout. We either got to take them out of the game. Um, but we, we we're hoping that through training and through like, you know, our program is that when you do get fatigued, if you can't get on top of the ball the same way you would have in the first set, you're smart enough to still make, make, we always say swing with a purpose. Yeah. You got to go up there and swing with a purpose. And if, as long as you're doing that, you're being efficient, you still convert, uh, you're okay. Yeah. So what, um, <clears throat> going back to the different levels that you've coached and yep. like you, you, you've been to so many different levels and work. What is your absolute favorite? I know like 
most people will be like, Ooh, oh, because I'm, I'm working at pro level now is my favorite. But what's your absolute favorite level to work with, um, you know, high school kids, rep, even recreational? Because yeah. it, sometimes once you get to the pro ranks, you realize, you know, I'm, I'm still having fun. It's my job, but it's not really the, the same. You know what I mean? You're, you're absolutely right. Like, And it's funny because I've taught, I, I coach pro players <clears throat> and I coach my daughter who's three. Yeah. So it's so it's so funny to see the difference but i think um what do i enjoy the most that's so hard they're so different in all different regards i love like of my college team i love the competitiveness i love the athleticism i love the level of play it's yeah. it's super exciting i love that but i get a different appreciation from when i coach a high school girls team for example you know they're like the, the emotion and the appreciation I get from them, it's like, yo, they actually appreciate the hell that like what I'm doing. Yeah. My, the men's team, they're like, yo, that's your job. Like, what do you mean? You got, you got, that's <laughs> your job. Like, it is, is what it is. This guy's getting paid. He doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, like, it is what it is. But, and then when my daughter, like I have, I teach my daughter and a bunch of other three-year-olds. Um, like I was like, it's only totally four of them. Yeah. And I, I love it because I love seeing the joy that they're getting for the game. Like they're learning the game from the ground up where, you know, they're, they're bumping balloons and doing all this fun stuff over a net. I'm like, that, that makes me so happy. Yeah. So it, it's, I can't, you know, I, I really don't have an answer to your question because it's so <laughs> different and like there's so much different appreciation. Yeah. Um, and I find that I actually, it's funny. I get more stressed out with, with my high school girls than I do with my men's team. Really? I'm, yeah. I don't get stressed out my men's team. Like I know we have a plan. We're going to do what we got to do, but I know, that at the end of it, they're going to be fine. My girls team, I know they're sweat, blood, and tears. Like they're doing it for themselves, for their coaches, for their parents, for their family. Like they're doing it. Yeah. It's a different, it's a different vibe with the girls game than it is with the guys. Well, game, well I feel like too, at, <clears throat> at that level, the, the athletes have a little bit more to play for, right? Yeah. <clears throat> because, you know, they're growing up, uh, whether it be rep high school, whatever. And, you know, they might have that dream or the aspiration of playing at the next level. Whereas sometimes, like I played football at the at in collegiate. Uh, now I I fight professionally. When you get to that level, it, you still have drive and determination, but it's almost like okay, it's just my job. Yeah, it's just my job to to play well. It's just my job to train. Whereas when you're coming up, it's more of a, a passion, right? And I find like. Um, when I show jujitsu to or MMA or anything to any other pros or any high level guys, I don't get as much enjoyment as a where I was teaching white belts, beginners. Like mm-hmm. fresh out, they have no no uh no idea or no um they have no concept or want to professionally compete. They just want to learn. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I and I and to me I find as a as a coach, I actually gain more out of coaching them. And as an athlete too, because when I have to retract back to the beginning stages of teaching, like fundamentals, like how to move your hips, how to, you know, for our sport, how to frame, how to get up off the floor, how to reverse positions, how to sweep. Mm -hmm. Those are things that at the highest level you take for granted that everybody knows. So you almost neglect teaching those fundamentals all the time. And you yeah. almost forget them yourself. Whereas when you're going to the lower levels, you're like, well, you have to learn those things. Otherwise, right, right, the right. sport is completely gone. To, you, you can't even compete or, or think. So I find there's almost a more enjoyment. I get more enjoyment out of teaching beginners because it forces me to go back to basics. You know what I mean? That's actually a good point. I feel the same way when I, when I coach young kids. I love it because it does force you to go back to the ba- the basics. Well, and and for them it's fun too because when you get to that collegiate level, let's be honest, some of the guys aren't having as much fun anymore. They're competing with each other. They're yeah, competing, they're competing with other people on the team, other girls on the team. They're competing for spots, and you know, that's that's a whole nother freaking yeah. Thing. I agree. Thing. Now, when we look at you're so deeply entrenched in in, in volleyball. When you look at Canada volleyball on the world stage where do we compare in terms of the rest of the world in terms of our athletes and our volleyball programs that we run up in here yeah i think we're top 20 i want to i think we're about top 20 in the world we're we're, we're getting there we're, we're a little bit we our women's team was a little bit behind um but they're trying to revamp that and the, the men's team is okay we, we they qualify for the olympics for the first time in a long time yeah uh I think uh, last Olympics uh, and they, they like, they, they're, they're good. It's, it's getting there. 
Yeah. The, the men's national team hired a new coach. Um, the former coach did a really good job. He built the program. And now we're seeing a little bit more new blood come in the program and things like that. So it, we're not the Brazils and Argentinas. Yeah. And, Cuba's still up there, right? They used to yeah, really Cuba good. Cuba didn't – I don't think they qualified for the last one um, uh, in, in Japan. But, tra- but traditionally, they've always had – But they're good. Yeah, Cuba's definitely good, yeah. And what do you think is the difference – now let's talk internationally. What do you think is the difference between the level or, or the athletes that are competing – at you know top three or four teams in the world compared to the canadian athletes well the thing is is that we start late like in canada we start in 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 european countries they're when they're coming like when they're one they're giving a volleyball it's like this is what you're doing yeah and the sport is bigger there's no pro leagues in north america all the pro leagues are in you know in japan and and all over europe and so forth so there's no pro leagues in, in canada so that already you're at kind of a disadvantage in that sense and then not to mention when an athlete first starts playing the game, they're like eight years old. Yeah. You know, not to say that that's that's too late, but it's when nice. athletes are yeah, over there yeah. playing, they're playing like two, three years old. They're getting used to it. Yeah, it's it's no different than the evolution of like mixed martial arts, for example, because when it started blowing up, it was more older guys. Like they started when they were like you know fourteen, fifteen, and as time went on in the evolution of the sport. You've seen people like, you know, they're becoming black belts at, you know, 16 years old sometimes, mm-hmm. which, you know, that's another conversation. I don't always agree with handing those out, but the level, my point being is because they were exposed to the sport so early, the level is constantly going higher and higher and higher. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess for what you're saying is that volleyball really, if it's introduced more at a younger age, then we're going to see more development right yeah and it's tough like i mean in ontario it, it's nowhere near as big as it is in california yeah. mind you population densities and stuff like that i get that well, but in the u.s it's way bigger than it is in canada weather has a big deal to do with it too you're absolutely right because you can play on the beach out in the south yeah. but over here that doesn't have unless it's an indoor facility you're not playing on the beach exactly. anytime exactly. soon and and because i i know i go to the to woodbine beach here in a in a thing all the time yeah they, ha- they have some pro leagues that go on there too. that's right but i unless you have an indoor you know beach facility like there they ha- do they have those in, a, in toronto yeah yeah they, there's a few there's a few of them but they're not re- like the fact that i even had to ask you shows that you know they're not it's not like you can drive oh look that's an indoor beach volleyball place like, yeah you, right and it's, it's different it's not like basketball basketball you get a hoop you're good to go. You play by yourself on, on the driveway. You, yeah. you can't do that with volleyball. It's not, there's no like, you know, hockey, you get a net, you play on the driveway. You, you can't do that with volleyball. So it's, it's tough. Yeah, you, you need, you need a team and you need, you need a group of people to play. You can't. Yeah. You need at least four yeah. to like set up something. Um. So in terms of, you know, Canada's athletes compared to the, who won the Olympic gold last, last time? For volleyball? Uh, France. France. What what would Canadian athletes on that level need to do in order to you know aspire to be the team like? That's that? tough. You know what I gotta say, like all eight teams in that Olympics were really were really good. Yeah. Like they were all really pretty much equal. I think it came down to you know errors. It came down to errors. It came down to experience. A little more experience on that level because you know on on our men's team we have we don't have a lot of Olympic experience. Yeah. Uh, so it came out to a little bit of experience, and, and honestly, there is there some of the best players in the world are not Canadian. Yeah. So that you know, when you have really really good players like LeBron James, Jordans, etc., like they're gonna be you know like on France for example, they have one of the best volleyball players in the world. Yeah. So and, it is, and it, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. And now, what is the rule in terms of like I don't know that's why I'm that's why I'm at what's the rule in terms of competing professionally on like the tour the beach volleyball tours or whatever and then competing for like your country or locally well not, nothing happens you go compete you like this the seasons the, the seasons are now finishing up overseas okay. so the pro seasons are all finishing up now and the olympics and all, all the summer games and all that stuff happened in the summer so after they finish with their pro teams if they make the national team, if they're invited to try out or invited to be on the national team, do the guys will have a choice of doing that? If they don't, they have the summer off. Now, are what's the pay like for those athletes? Is it enough to make a living, or are they well, just- to, for volleyball, yeah, like volleyball, it's it's not a lot. Like here's what happens with volleyball; it's a little different. So when you go out to Europe, 
they, they pay for a lot for you. Like they'll pay for your housing. They'll pay for your, they'll, you'll have like a food allowance. They'll give most, sometimes they'll give you a car. A lot of situations, they give you a yeah. car and they give you everything. And then they have, you have your pay, but it's all one year contracts, one to two year contracts. So it's nothing guaranteed. No, no, no it's not like, guaranteed. it's not like a six year deal, you know, whatever. And, and like, you'll make like, like a, like a 50, $60,000, you know, you'll, you'll make like 50, 60 K. Yeah. Uh, if, as, as a regular athlete, which isn't bad. And once you get kind of higher up there and the leagues differ too, like dep- depending on the league, you'll make more money depending on the league. Yeah. Um, uh, like, like even, and I'm talking Canadian dollars, like 40, $50,000 Canadian dollars. Uh, and then once you get up there, you, you can make, so, you, you'll make your six figures. So 40, 50 K. So that means 25 us. <laughs> yeah. Like 30 K us. Yeah. yeah. So and they, it depends on the league too. So basically they make as much as a cardiac Olympian athlete. Yeah. Professional volleyball. So, we, I don't know what, what Canada pays their Olympic players. I sh- actually, I lied. I don't think Canadian players get paid at all to play on the national team. Geez, they just get sorry. things. In yeah. fact, I think you got to pay to try out. I think, I think it cost, it might even cost them money and then they'll get reimbursed. So they'll get like an allowance for something when they go out, but they don't get paid to play. That's fucking ridiculous. It's not like the U S where they no. get, they'll get paid. Well, yeah. No, these guys no, don't like, <clears throat> I remember when I was in, in university, there was a, um, we had a, a track athlete. He competed for the Canadian team, and he was a carded Olympian, and he he got fifteen grand a year. Yeah, I see. Yeah. How, how how in the heck? Like I could say so many cuss words to say. How in the heck? I'm going to use heck though. Do you expect an athlete to compete at the highest level for fifteen grand a year? Now you're telling me that you have national level volleyball players who are dedicating their life to represent Canada, and they get nothing. Like. Yeah, it, it's a culture thing. Canada doesn't value the same amount of like we don't value sports the same way as the U.S. does. Let's no. let's just be real. Even well, like it was so obvious in the in the lockdown where they banned sports. Yeah. Like U sports and OCAA weren't allowed to participate, but an, like OSBA, which is an Ontario high school league, was allowed to participate. Yeah. Like, it just and, it didn't make any and sense. In this last lockdown, they even put in the rule set that professional mixed martial artists weren't allowed to train, which. Good luck telling a professional fighter you're not allowed to train. That's not going to happen. But yeah. it was so bananas that, like you just said, the value for the athletes. Like I know a, a, a Olympic wrestler. He went and competed this past year in the Olympics for wrestling. He got a bylaw ticket for training. Like there you go. Come on, man. Like what? <laughs> what? What? What do you do on that level? What? What? what what does volleyball, Ontario volleyball, or what what do they do to help to get that funding? It's is, tough. I, I mean, with that, I think Canada has a like we they have a fund that they that they like fund sports and things like that for the national yeah. team. So that that's there for them. But it, it it's not you're not if you're if you're playing volleyball in Canada, you're not in it for the money. That's why you go overseas and play pro, right? Yeah. You can make money playing pro overseas, um, but there's once you finish graduating collegiate ball like that's a you have you got a coach if you want to make money playing volleyball or doing anything volleyball related that's so, it so most of these kids once they're done that university level they're pretty much you're either playing pro yeah for the handful of them that can play pro and you're leaving home to go play pro for for like a good amount of time yeah and then if you don't play pro you got to find a job yeah well like most people but, yeah, yeah. Well, but see, here's my issue with that. It's it's devastating for um, a kid. You know what I mean? To put in years and years and years of of work, and for some of them, they need just one more opportunity, and they can they can actually compete at that level, right? It's not it's not necessary that they they weren't. You know how like when an athlete's not ready for the pros, but yeah. they t- they take that extra year. And, mm-hmm. they, and, you know, um, I'm trying to, like, the NBA has the developmental leagues. Yeah. You know what I mean? Uh, and they take that extra couple of years and play there, and then, you know, they might get the call up. Or I think the, we have the, like, the 905 team and stuff like that. Those, yeah. Those, yeah. Those, those guys make a living. They're, they're still making some money playing basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I honestly believe for sports like volleyball, they need to do that because there's no money in it. And if you want any of those programs to grow at all, you have to invest into it like that. But yeah, uh, I mean, the, I mean, our governments don't care about that. (laughs) 
Yeah, sports it just in, like just on a national level, it's not as as heavily funded or a priority versus like the U.S. and other around the world. And it's yeah. clear you can see it. Yeah, like you can see it straight up when, well, when you look it, at pro athletes. Yeah, it happens in in mixed martial arts as well, right? It's no different. Um, now, when we're talking about volleyball, what are some of the uh, you know the key coaching differences that you see between volleyball and other sports? For example, like how would you have to approach, you know, if you're just given a blank slate, you know, uh, of a, a volleyball team, a basketball team, and a football team? Like, what are some of the key differences that you have to take as a coach to get these kids or athletes ready to compete? I, it's, that's, a, that's a good question. I actually don't think there's much of a difference. And that this is, I mean, you, people may disagree with me, but I approach volleyball the same way that a basketball coach would, would approach basketball, same way the football coach you have. Like with the exception of the skills, like obviously, yeah. you know, you got different skills, of course, you know, you're in, in basketball practice, you're worrying about your dribbling, shooting, you know, pick and roll offense, blah, blah, blah. And volleyball, we're talking about volleyball stuff. But in terms of coaching, um, it is relatively the same thing. We, we all have to plan a training camp. We all have to plan our season. We all have to have strength and conditioning and our court time, yeah. right? We all have to have certain things, you, all, you know, and it's just a matter of how you structure it. You all have to teach the athletes how to do certain things. You have your film and match preparation and post game and scouting reports and, you know, all that stuff. Um, I mean, the only thing that I could think of is different. And I guess this is probably true because I've been around the sport would be the would be like basketball, for example. I know and I, I might be wrong, but this is what I, my experience. You could go hard on your athletes. Like you could get in there. You could drill them, yell at them, you know, yeah. make them run and running, making them run harder will will foster that more competitive fire in the basketball player. Yeah. I think it's the same with football to an extent. But yeah. with volleyball, you don't really do that much in volleyball because you might, you might hurt the athlete more than help the athlete. Some athletes will, will, will like, you know, they'll, they'll strive off that, they'll thrive off that. Yeah. But I, I don't think the culture of volleyball is that like, let's go on the line. Da, da, da. It's, it's, it's not like that. Is it just because of the nature of the sport or is it because of something that was built into the – coaching that yeah I, you know what i don't know that's a good question i feel i'm not sure where it came from but over time and i, I could be wrong like i don't know if in other sports if you know men, i'm sure mental health i know mental health is in other sports as well and in other things as well but i find that even in basketball and, and football there, there's still a like that culture like hey it's that grit like that yeah it, like, i don't know how to say it but that physicality culture like we're gonna do this. in volleyball it's still it's still there but it's just a little bit different it's not the, the, I, I mean, I think I can relate it to the fact that, you know, in volleyball, you're not directly making contact there you go. That's with, a good the, other, with the other team. Where, like volleyball is, I mean, sorry, basketball is not a technically a contact sport. Right. But, like, you know, when you're talking about boxing somebody out, when you're talking about, like, you know, shoot, foul that guy. Like, no, foul him. Like, yeah, 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 put, yeah. Like, he needs to, like, potentially get hurt off after this play. Like, he's killing us. I need you to foul him. Like yeah. there, there's that aspect to it where you are not separated by a net. You're you literally have to encounter this person face to face, even if there's not direct contact right. in the sport. So I think that's one of the things, but I mean, Oh, I, I have an answer for you here. Here's something. So like in basketball and in football, you know, like when you dunk on somebody, when you tackle somebody, there's emotion there. It's like, yeah, let's go. You know, you, you might look at them. You might look at your team, whatever. Yeah. In volleyball, if you do that, you got a warning. Really? It's more, it's, it's very, it's very it's, until you hit maybe the pro level where that's a little bit more accepted. And this drives me nuts. Actually, I actually talked to one of the head officials in Canada about this is, is the level of like, because volleyball used to be a gentleman's sport, quote unquote, a gentleman's sport, right? Yeah. It never used to be the way it is now. Now it's like exciting. It's loud. Right. So it's slowly starting to get to that point where I, I even up to me, like when my guys, get a kill like when they get a kill when they kill the ball yeah, yeah. i want my guys off the bench jump up and like you know get am get excited about that and you'll hear you'll see rap saying hey calm down like you know stuff like that i'm like stop hell? it guys come on so what are we so, talking about here? so if somebody got a kill and like the boy the other team the guys are on the floor like mashed up mangled because yeah. they, they they tried to save it they couldn't make the save and you go up to net and beat your chest and be like yeah boy you oh that's a yellow you got oh that's fucked. Yeah, that that could be a yellow. You probably get a warning. Yeah. And the next time you do it, it's yellow. And then I guess red is you're out, 
right? Yeah, well, red and yellow is out, but you'll you'll get a warning, and then if it happens again, then you probably get a red, and then if it happens again, it's a red and yellow. So it's because it's unsportsmanlike. That's not unsport. That's pussification. <laughs> that's pussification, right? Called competitive sport. Right. So that's it, what I think. It, it was like um, I think it was, it was either swimming or volleyball in this last Olympics. I don't remember. It was the Australian coach, and the athlete won. I for, I think it might have been swimming. But the, the relation is the same. The athlete won, and the coach, the the camera goes on to him, and he's like pounding his chest, and he's like ah, and yeah. everyone was like, oh, that's toxic masculinity. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's called emotion. He's freaking yeah. amped that his his girl won the fucking race, or like like, and so that's probably why that culture is passed down over the years through volleyball. Like, hey, mow it out, mow it out. Yeah, it, it, when I see when I see refs, it, it's a pet peeve. But when I see refs do this, we're like that. Ah, I, I I right off the bat go to, go go and talk to them. I'm like, this, no, we got to stop this. Well, as long as we're not being disrespectful yeah. in any way, fine. I, I'll say that. But if, if we're being competitive and we show some some excitement because we did something great in our sport, that's what makes a sport a sport. Yeah, we need to you know competition. You guys that's that. why that's why you're doing it to compete. Yeah, exactly. So, so if someone made a kill and say the other guy was at the net. And he just slammed it right over his ass, and he stared his ass down. They give him you, a warning for that. You got a warning for that, yeah. Oh no! I know oh, it's I ridiculous. Know. I can't. Basketball is getting to that point too now. You see a lot of guys getting texts for. I mean, they're letting it go a little bit more in the playoffs, but yeah. uh, actually, basketball is not nearly as bad as volleyball. If I, I, it's not. It's volleyball is worse. But even sometimes in basketball, when a guy dunks on somebody and he stares him down, yeah. if he does it long enough, he'll get a tech. That's so stupid. It, uh, and. And it and it takes away from the sport, but it also takes away like when you limit athletes like that, it it actually takes away from the competition. Right? Yeah. Um. When and like, regardless of the, 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 the you know if it's a male or female, like adrenaline is high, and when it's pumping and and you have two two athletes competing against each other or two teams yeah. competing against each other, and you know you let that go. You, that's when you actually start seeing magic happen. That's when you see like real, like, you know, one of the things I love about hockey is like when you get overtime hockey, and, right? And um, they tend to in the play in the playoffs, especially let things go a little bit. Like they let, you know, yeah, they won't let all penalties go, but they're in a hard hit that normally in the first period, you know, they might call it, in in you know in over. But to me, that's one of the most exciting sports. It is like playoff hockey where they kind of let them play, you know what I mean? Or even even NFL football where they back off, you know, like every time someone touches, oh, it's passing the field. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, right now, like if you like break it down, it's not actually a penalty. You just let them be physical with each other to a point where no one's getting hurt, obviously. But I mean, the say like I don't understand why you wouldn't let that happen in volleyball. Nobody's physically hurting each other it's, it's not a, it's not a contact sport like you should just shit you should be able to scream and yell at someone across the net and if they can't take it too bad <laughs> yeah especially with where there's a net blocking you yeah i mean come on guys what are we talking do, about here do, but you, I agree. do you find that that um changes the mentality like what i'm, I'm trying to get like do you find that there's volleyball athletes have an ego that gets suppressed by the rules of the game. It, it's sometimes not not so much because we, we're so used to that. Like we, they know it. Like they know what's going on. So it wouldn't it wouldn't suppress them at all. But it's just annoying. Yeah. It's it's just super annoying. And I tell my guys, I'm like, I, we actually have a conversation at the beginning of every season about like what you can or cannot do on a celebration. Yeah. And I mean, sometimes my guys take it like a little ex excessive, but it's never disrespectful, and we're fine. If I get a warning, I'll tell the guy, listen, the guys are fine. I'm like, listen, it's fine. You now, keep doing speaking of egos, what's it what's it like in the volleyball realm from collegiate level? Like how do you have to sometimes talk some of these kids down? Like maybe they think they're bigger than the team. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. In, in any in any sport in, at the collegiate level, you have guys that, you know, they think they're the shit and they come in and, you know, whatever. But it, it, and it depends on the coach, how the coach does this. You know, I've seen coaches have a horrible time with this and. The, you could tell right off the bat that that player is is able to do whatever the hell they want to do. Yeah. But on our team, I think this is really something I'm really proud of with our coaching staff is culture is a big thing. I mean, I know that word gets thrown out there a lot, yeah. but culture is a huge thing with us. Like we don't talk, we have a lot we don't tolerate, 
And if, if you cross that line, you get penalized, suspended, and or kicked off. Yeah. And we hold guys accountable. Now for coaching, being a head coach at collegiate level, there's more a little bit more to worry about than obviously professional because these kids are still uh, students, right? Um, how right. do you how do you find the balance between a player that you know might be a standout on the court, but a flunker in the classroom uh, to you know achieve that balance? Because I mean, in the U.S., a lot of that is masked. Um, yeah. Uh, because you know there's money involved with the NCAA, right? That's right. One of the most corrupt, evil organizations on the planet. That's the nuts. That's another another topic. But um, mm-hmm. how do, I, on the Canadian level? Because I could be Canadian collegiate sports. It's you can't get away with it that much. So no. how do you find that balance between an athlete who wants to dedicate his life to the sport um, and all the time, but is lacking in the classroom? It's tough and it's so hard because we, we, we can only do so much on our end. Yeah. We can have study sessions. We can talk to them. We, can, we have our one-on-ones at the beginning, middle, and end of the season. We, we're, we're very like close with the guys as much as we can. And I mean, I've had guys tell me, hey, coach, I'm fine. Like, oh, yeah, school's great. No problem. Like, yeah, I'm good. Yeah. And then I get the report from our coordinator. They went 0 for 4. They went 0 for 5. I was like, you know, like stupid. And you can't, there's nothing you can do about it. It's one of those things where you just try to, re- when you recruit, Make sure you're, you're, you know, you're recruiting guys that are coming in, you know, that's going to go to school. It's going to, you know, do well in school. You know, you're not just recruiting guys that are you know, barely making it through high school. And they're, they're, that's why they're coming to you. So you got to be careful with that. And, and then the, you got to take it from there, man. But that's a never ending battle. There's no solution to that. That's going to be every individual kid is going to be different. And you just got to work with it. Now, is there anything you guys do as a coaching staff? Or is that kind of like it's out of your hands? You just kind of have to encourage them. But in terms of like, I mean, we have our study sessions. We have our, our follow-ups, our one-on-ones. Um, we have a varsity coordinator who, you know, meets with our players one-on-one at periodically throughout the year to do check-ins and make sure that they need access to tutoring. They're there. Yeah. Like they have the support, but you're dealing with grown men and these guys got to take accountability too. It's not like dealing with high, with high school kids. It's easy. Yeah. You know, you see them every day. I can, I can, I can monitor their grades. Yeah. I have access to their grades. In high in college, I don't have access to my kids' grades. I don't know what they're doing. They don't have to. They're adults. They don't have to tell me anything. Yeah, they don't have to say shit, right? And so, and and correct me if I'm wrong, but you have to maintain a certain uh, GPA to maintain. You got to you got to pass. Right? You got to pass sixty six point seven percent of your course load. So yeah, to maintain eligibility. Maintain eligibility, yeah. Like you'll still be in school if you get fifty percent, but you have That's to right. in order to be an athlete to compete, you have to have sixty six point seven. No, you have to you have to pass. 66 points there's no gpa requirement you just oh, have to okay. pass in order to stay on scholarship you gotta get above a 2.0 it's like a c plus it's nothing okay. but in order to be an athlete yeah it's not that bad it's in order to be an athlete you just gotta you just can't fail one course okay that's not terrible if, or if you oh, sorry you can't fail more than one course so if you fail one course fine but you yeah. can't fail more than one course well that's still not terrible that's that's pretty yeah. good so you can get 50s and all everything else and fail <laughs> one course and you're fine yeah. just pass just, just pass yeah that's all you gotta do just pass now what is these and I know that Canada has been lacking in this from my time, but I mean, it's been a while since I've, I've left school. What is the scholarship programs like now uh, in terms of for coaches to attract athletes? Because do you really, do you get athletes from out of Canada to be able to come to? Not, it's not very often unless they're part of the international program. Yeah. And every school is different. Every school has a different scholarship policy. Now, like without, I, I mean, I am sure it's not secret, but what is no. like, what is your school's policy that gives you leverage to kind of recruit the best athletes? So in our, in our league, in the OCAA, we're kind of limited and they, ma- the maximum allowance that we're allowed to give an athlete is $3,000 and that's mandated by the OCAA. Jesus Christ. That doesn't yeah. pay for tuition. Yeah. It doesn't pay for everything, but that's, but now in, in, in U sports, it's a little bit different. Like they, they don't have a mandate on tuition. So they, so universities can give as much as, as they can see fit, depending on how their budget is, depending on the size of school and things like that. Yeah. And every coach will have a different budget. Yeah. Well, cause when I was in school, they were just introducing it. Like right when I was leaving. Right. So, like it was like, that's why I'm asking. Cause it's such a disadvantage for Canadians uh, yeah. to not have that at any level. Right. Like, even if you're competing at college or university, um, to, to, to be able to just freely say, okay, I'm going to compete and represent the school yeah. to the best of my ability, but to 
not get any financial compensation and and we're not we're not talking about money like in your pocket we're talking about like alleviate my bills my mm-hmm. school my school bills so mm-hmm. that i cuz when you're talking about a collegiate athlete and i think this is lost on a lot of people this is why the NCAA pisses me off so much right because when i take the time that a, a student spends going to class studying and then the extra time involved with that's right court practice which i would assume is at least about 90 minutes to 2 hours minimum mm-hmm. right a day mm-hmm. um and then that's minimum that's not on top of strength film, training strength training film film study yeah. um the mental training and aspects that like you're talking about a kid doing a full-time job which is a student plus another full-time job which is an athlete and then not getting a break financially from you know the institutions or the government yeah and then you're expecting them now to either take a loan out which would then put them in debt after they're done or work on top of that like a night job which is what a lot of people did when I was going to school just to pay for school like the yeah. ex- the expectation on Canadian athletes is horrendous. You know yeah, I mean? it's crazy. I I agree. Yeah, Ash, I gotta go in one minute. Sorry, man. Yeah. No worries, no worries. <laughs> I I gotta wrap this up too because it's, it's date night. It's date night for us too. So. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um. So the one last thing I wanted to ask you about um is when you t- when you get a blank slate athlete, you get uh, a fresh kid. Free, freakish genetics, just prime and ready for you to to mold. You know, what do you do as a coach? Like, how do you take that that one kid and put bring him to that level that you expect on your collegiate team right now? Man, skills, skills, skills. We got it's it's like teaching the skills. You got to go back to day one. This is how you do the skills. We really, really teach the fundamentals and skills of the athlete. We get him on a great strength and training program, with, which is the same as all of our guys. So we yeah. focus a lot on that with him. A lot of one-on-one time. Um, and honestly, that, that's what it's about. And then the experience will come as the, they get more touches and they see more teams and they see more things on the court because that's tough, is getting that experience at the higher level. But honestly, it's about skills, 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 feedback, constant feedback, and development. Like even though we're collegiate level, we are still developing athletes. Yeah. So we got to still focus. We have a developmental, uh, huge mindset in our program. And that's yeah. what we do. So, yeah. And, and I think that's, you know, as we wrap this up, I think for any young athlete or any athlete listening to this in general, I mean, the thing that gets lost is, you know, you see all these cool freaking videos online of these people doing, you know, amazing strength training and, yeah. and, and amazing just freakishly athletic things. And, and the one thing that you need to realize is like Lionel Messi didn't become a great soccer player by wanting, running wind sprints. It's a part of it. That's right. But he became a great soccer player by learning how to kick, by yeah. kicking, kicking the ball. LeBron didn't become LeBron by, you know, playing at the park. No, he, yeah. you know, yeah. or doing chin-ups. He didn't like, I mean, I'm sure that man could do a lot of fucking chin-ups. I know. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he shot the ball. I mean, uh, b- before we wrap this up, the biggest story uh, is uh, one of one of our favorites, Kobe, right? Uh, one of the stories that I always go back to and I always think about when I, when I hit a rut myself is when he was competing on the Olympic team, he had called the coach up in the hotel. I don't know if you remember. I know the story. story. Yeah. Right. Okay. Three, 3 a.m. Call the yeah. coach up. He's like, yo, come help me with the, come help me. My shot. He's like, or I'll be there in the morning at practice. And then, uh, he's like, no, I'm at the gym right now. So the fucking coach gets out of his hotel room, goes, helps Kobe with his shot. And then, you know, goes back to his hotel, sleeps, gets back on the court for 7 a.m. So he's like, what time did you leave? He's like, and then Kobe finishes that shot. He's like, oh, this is a thousand. Now I'm done. Yeah. Right? yeah. And that's the skill aspect to it. We're practicing yeah. the single skill all right. the time. Right. All right, cool. Anyway, thank you for your time, man. I appreciate and no it. problem, man. It was fun. Appreciate it. Yeah, and we'll do it again sometime. And uh, before you go, tell everybody where they can reach out to you if they want some help with their game. Uh, oh, man, I'm all over. Uh, Instagram is probably the best way. Brian Singh underscore Coach B. It's Brian Singh underscore Coach B on Instagram. And and I got if there's any volleyball coaches out there, which I don't know if there is, but I, I have a podcast called the Volleyball by Design Podcast. So there feel free go. to listen to that. There you go. Check it out. Volleyball by Design. Coach B on Instagram. And thank you. That's it. Thanks, brother. Hey, everybody. Thank you for watching.
please do me a favor click the like below share on youtube share on instagram share on facebook spread the word so i can keep creating more content for you and keep providing you with a great podcast experience peace out